Hello and welcome to Three Season Apart from Provision Advisors, the podcast for and about the global communications environment. Three Season Apart, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Well, folks, the Super Bowl is over and we've got roughly six weeks until pitches and catches to report. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you've been following the NBA and college basketball season that's currently underway. And speaking of the big bowl game, uh, I think we have to get into at least a few salient points about what the Super Bowl coverage uh, meant to each of us and our takeaways from the game. Uh, so we'll get into that here in a bit. Folks, please continue to check out Three Season a Pod on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate your follow and your feedback each week. Also know you can find us on Twitter at ProVAdvisors with an S and check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. The Super Bowl took place on Sunday night, and I do believe there were plenty of takeaways uh, from the game. So we're going to go around the panel, start with John. Listen, there was a lot uh, that took place. Uh, we can look at it from a, a lot of different angles. I'm interested, John, uh, in what you took away from the game, uh, commercials, amount of people, uh, what stuck out to you? Let's talk about the Super Bowl as a journey on the road back to normalcy, which I really like to talk about. You know, the, here here was a game that I talked about on the last pod, which is everyone's kind of waypoint in their winter. You know, dry January is over. It's the Super Bowl. You know, once the Super Bowl is over, I'm looking forward to baseball spring training. Definitely not looking forward to work the next Monday, probably the least productive day uh, in the American workforce on the calendar. So I looked for it to be normal. And there's a fantastic article on ESPN, which I encourage everyone to read by Tim Keown, who's a great writer. And he just talks about the Super Bowl as, you know, the, the title of the article is After a Strange Season, Watching Tom Brady Win a Super Bowl Felt Familiar. It was, it was a return of familiarity, which... For me, I, I embrace begrudgingly just because I'd really rather root for anything to happen on this earth rather than Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. But he won. And it and it did. It felt like, you know what, this is what normal life is. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. If it gives anyone that sense of the return to normalcy, um, hopefully that's it. But I was also struck by just the weirdness in the communications world of it. You know, the, the whole thing, the way the Super Bowl started, you know, it started very oddly with like this virtual draft commissioner, you know, uh, Roger Goodell in his basement trying to hit all the notes that typically elude him. I'm taking a bit from the Tim Keown article here. You know, the, the halftime show was just super odd. The commercials were a mix between really heartfelt and healing from years of Trump to, you know, just just sophomoric jocularity. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I, I found myself watching so little of the game because let's be frank, the game sucked. It was a horrible game with a horrible performance. And, and Bashan, you tweeted something that I thought was very relevant. Anyone wondering why the Chiefs looked like ass the other day? Um, I don't know. A bunch of them almost got COVID from their barber and the coach's kid basically almost killed a family because he was drunk driving, suspectedly. Right. So that event, I think, put a pall over the whole thing. And then everything from the way it started, the mixture of in-person stuff with virtual stuff, the weird halftime show, and I'm a huge fan of The weekend. I, I just, 
it, it, I walked away from it just feeling like I wanted more, uh, particularly from the NFL, like do, do this better. You had a right. long time to like plan for this. I, I just thought it could have been better. Chris? <laughs> I just, I laugh. I mean, it's just, I, I guess I'm on the other side of the coin on almost everything you said. Uh, take, your, take your time. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love First it. First of all, John, uh, embrace Tom Brady. Embrace the brand, the athlete. Never. You talk about the the road to normalcy. And and I, I don't think they're – like, I think if you're on the road to normalcy, like if you get off the exit, you know, and it says normalcy 10 miles, at about the seven-mile mark, the bridge is out, right? There is no road to normalcy, <laughs> right? So – like, I think we just need to buy property on one side of that normalcy bridge and that's where we're going to live. So aside from Tom Brady, um, everything from his arrogant walk off the bus with no mask on to, I mean, just the whole mystique. I mean, it was all Brady. There's a guy that has his brand down pat. Um, so I don't think you can hate there. On the commercials, I think this year showed us 100% that Commercials for the Super Bowl should be funny. I mean, Bruce Springsteen is a fucking sellout. Okay. He sold like that's a Jeep commercial, right? If you're interested in that message, take a ad out in the New York Times and pay for it with your own money. Like, don't wear a designer leather jacket and some goofy ass cowboy hat. Last I remember, he's from the Jersey Shore, right? Mm-hmm. Bash, do they wear cowboy hats in New Jersey and in New York? Like, what? What am I, what am I missing? Not out there on the um, broadwalk. I just was very disappointed in that and any of the commercials that, you know, Budweiser's whole, like, we're not going to do a commercial, but we're actually going to do like eight commercials and take your lemons and turn them into lemon seltzer. I, I just, I, I don't get it. The halftime show was fabulous. I mean, it was absolutely fabulous. And and it, it should be nothing more than a 17-minute interlude so that you can go to the bathroom, you can recharge your beer, and you can reheat the cheese dip that now has that, like, layer on top. Like, that's, that is my bar for the halftime show. The weekend was fabulous. Up until last week, I thought the weekend was Saturday and Sunday. Like, I, I didn't even know there was a human called the weekend. And now that's all we play in our house for the last week. So I, I think people should just enjoy it for, for what it is. Um, I give the NFL, I give the NFL a lot of, a lot of credit. Now, now I'll get serious just for a second. Um, they, they carried out a, a season. I mean, they, they were America's um, Petri dish. They were America's like, litmus test for for everything um they yeah did they stumble yes they stumbled in kind of classic nfl ways but i mean they got to the super bowl they got to the super bowl without a major interruption in play um for the most part they kept a bunch of 20 to 25 year old athletes with tendencies to be knuckleheads they kept them on the reservation um they donated a lot of money they did the best that they could in terms of like taking care of the communities that they were in so I give them a lot of credit. I, I think the Super Bowl and the season was a win for the NFL brand. And I think it was a win for football. I appreciate actually, and I, and I really mean this, I appreciate both of those uh, sets of analysis. Um, if there's anything that I've tried to at least promise myself in 2021 is to not be above my own self-critique. Uh, and that is to, to sort of look at some of the opinions or, or the, the decisions I, I, that 
I land on um, and, and, and then really dig deep into them. And what I mean by that is this. I need to actually retract what I said leading in or like what got me to, to my leanings on the Super Bowl. And, you know, this is part and parcel to, to where we've arrived in the polarization of, of most everything in our lives. Looking at the, the background story of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's a lot more than what meets the eye. Um, and I am guilty of not necessarily digging in or opening up my eyes to what Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization had done leading up you know, to this season and, and throughout this season. Um, I'm amazed at the number of people that were in the in the stands. Um, you know, that's something that really got my attention. Definitely, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the Super Bowl with two other people, George and Linda Mann, uh, in a safe, what I deemed a safe environment. But it did give us concern to watch all of those people in there. And I and Chris, to your point about what the NFL was able to pull off, you know, I just really hope that they had measures in place, uh, you know, to deal with that. Completely, you know, other story right there. The game itself, I mean, I have to give credit. You know, John, you were saying that the game was really horrible, but I'm looking at what Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich were able to do, along with Bruce Arians and the rest of that coaching staff, what they were actually able to put together against Kansas City, against the juggernaut of Patrick Mahomes and company. And so I'm going to give credit right there to, to those folks in terms of their ability uh, to, you know, put points on the board and then keep Kansas City uh, off the board. So in, in some regards, that was masterful. What was hovering behind uh, or at least under under the surface and that I failed to catch was the unique um, coaching moves Bruce Arians has made. Uh, the fact that two women now have uh, Super Bowl titles on um you know, on a coaching staff, that, that's amazing to me. It's something that I, I just didn't pay any attention to. Uh, and that's not saying that Kansas City is, is, is a less than organization or any team is less than. I'm just going to give credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for what they did and what they were able to accomplish. Um, the, <laughs> the commercials, I, I, I pay attention to somewhat, but I, they're just not that, they're just not, not that big to me uh, anymore. Uh, I long for the days of, was that? and uh, you know and 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 all that yes chris to your point i i liked it better when when they were just fun uh i could laugh at them giggle uh and keep on moving uh i i have to say the uh, alexa commercial with michael b jordan got a lot of laughs in in, in my house uh in a deeper discussion about like hey wait a that second was great nobody was great. Paid, like <laughs> i had to go back and actually look at this because at no point at no point in that commercial did the wife even acknowledge that the husband existed and he was and he was the one dropping the funniest line <laughs> so if you talk about a commercial that has that like captures where we are right now as a society yeah like i think that was it right so um black woman obsessed with like her heart throb right? right and it was about alexa technology right so all of those things like that's 2021 right there right. so good good for right. them i mean the, the yeah. classic you know whereas 10 years ago it would have been like a dude in the swimsuit model and a beer right and so i mean yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. did a great job of capturing where we are it was pretty funny i i, I give it to them at the end it, it's almost like i i guess and i'm not I'm not a professional 
uh, marketing individual, but you have to pay attention in this uh, in this line of work that we are in as professional communicators. You you know that's that's the other glove, right? That you have to be familiar with is is the whole marketing element and how we join together. And so the question always, at least for me, at the end of those commercials is the question, what was that? Like, what were they selling? What was the, what was the brand? Um, and so, yes, they, I, I feel like they did a great job. You didn't run out and buy oat milk after that dude played the piano or whatever it was, no. the electric accordion. No. My kid was like, I didn't even know there was oat milk. The, <laughs> so, um, I mean, the, the, <laughs> like one of the questions was after the whole Tracy Morgan uh, commercial, my mother says to me, who, like, what was that? Like, what was they, what were they selling? Because she was so caught up in just watching Tracy Morgan. So it's a, it's a delicate line to, to walk uh, right there. I'll give you, I'll give you one more. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, please. Evolving. My favorite was the um, T-Mobile commercials where um, like, you know, this is what they said versus this is what you heard. And I thought the best one didn't even make it on TV was the Brady and Gronk. Um, you know, where Brady calls Gronk and says, hey, what should I do? And Gronk tells him that he should retire and go to Florida. And Brady hears that he's soft if he retires and he should go to Florida and keep playing. <laughs> and he wants Gronk to come. I mean, it's just that you, you're exactly right. I mean, the commercials that like captured the moment and and actually communicated something about the brand while making it entertainment um i mean that continues to be the the formula for for a win um it's it's those people that either dial up the celebrity factor or dial too far down the product placement i, I think that's a swing and a miss definitely definitely um and so I'll, I'll i'll end with this um you know it was it was a treat uh to sit in the environment that i was in uh, and watch that game. Uh, there was chili, uh, homemade chili there on on the docket. Uh, there were a couple of beverages there shared, uh, you know, shared between family, uh, and we got to enjoy the experience. And and again, I'll just hope that that everything was ex executed, excuse me, as safely as possible. But as America, uh, you know, I think writ large, we we sat down uh, and watched the game. What was seemed to be very interesting to me was the next day, as people talked about. Uh, you know, the, all, all of this dialogue that will continue uh, now that Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings, the, the argument, oh, is he the greatest athlete? Oh, is he the greatest, greatest, the greatest, you know, the greatest of the greats and all that. And, you know, there are people that get paid a whole heck of a lot more money to discuss that. Uh, but I thought that was that was interesting to watch. So a Super Bowl under the books uh, in the books. And now we wait, as I said earlier, uh, for pitches and catches to report. So that's where we are, friends. Folks, we're going to take a quick break uh, and then come back with uh, with an interview here. Uh, stick with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. We're back, and we are joined by a very special guest to the program today. She is a physician, a CDC-trained medical epidemiologist, board certified in infectious diseases. Uh, she has a broad uh, experience across the health sector, uh, served on faculty with the George Washington University School of Medicine, and as a member of the Milken Institute Public School School of Public Health, excuse me, uh, as well as the Aspen Institute of Global Leadership Network. Um, more, most recently, founder of Grapevine Health, 
Uh, I will let her talk uh, about that and the creator of Dr. Lisa on the Street, which you can find on YouTube. We're going to get into that as well. Um, I get to call her friend. Ladies and gentlemen, she's Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, and we're glad to have her on the show with us today. Lisa, how the heck are you? Well, all things considered, I'm actually doing really well. I'm vaccinated and go out, when I go outside, I'm masked up. So I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. And I know you, you're talking about being masked up and being out. You, I believe, were even out uh, this morning. Uh, I feel like you are, you, I feel like you're just out on the street in DC, like each and every day, because every time I see you on, on, <laughs> on your social media platforms, I mean, you're just out there in the community. Like there's anybody that can say you're not doing the work. Well, nah, you, you're, you're out there. Um, why, you know, you, you've talked about being vaccinated. Why is it so important with, uh, and take us through like, like Grapevine Health and what you're seeing out there um, as you talk to people uh, specifically here? I know it's not just DC. You, you've even traveled up to, to some other points along the East Coast uh, and talking to underserved communities. What are you hearing? Why are you out there? Walk us through it. Wow. Yeah. So, and I'm so impressed that you actually have been watching our content to know that we took Dr. Lisa on the street on the road. That was fun. I, I have an um, interest in what you are doing. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I started Grapevine Health because even though I've had all sorts of jobs, you, you um, mentioned them in my introduction. I've had lots of jobs, but the common thread across all those jobs, which were very different, is that people don't really understand science, health information, medicine. They don't understand their bodies. They don't understand how to talk to doctors, especially people I serve, folks in the black community who are um, lower income. Um, a lot of folks um, don't have um, formal education. And because of that, it also makes it more difficult to understand some of these technical things. And so I created Grapevine Health to become a trusted resource for health information for black communities. And during the pandemic, I mean, this pandemic has just really highlighted a thousand times why we need something like Grapevine Health because people are starved for trusted, credible and simplistic health information. Right. So we were out on the street a couple of weeks ago and we were playing a game with people called, do you speak coronavirus? And the reason I thought about doing that is because I was listening to one of these TV doctors explaining something about the vaccine trial process. And I thought, who understands those words? So uh, we wrote some of those words on a board and asked people, and sure enough, people don't understand what's being communicated. So all the more reason for us to be out there. And, you know, I really think there's a great opportunity for Grapevine to expand beyond what we're doing in DC because this is a, you know, low health literacy is a universal problem, not just in the United States, but globally. Mm -hmm. So, but starting right here at home is a great place uh, for us to test this out, get some customers and really see if we can impact uh, people's health outcomes by just helping them understand and use health information. Uh, and finally, you asked, what are we hearing? Mostly what we're hearing, um, because people want to talk about the vaccine when we go out. Right. And it's not every day. I know it seems like every day, but that's the beauty of social media, isn't it? Because you only <laughs> post the stuff you want people to know. But no, we're not out every day, but we do go out frequently. And because people want to talk about the vaccine, they ask questions like, 
well, where can I get the vaccine? And yes, they are asking that. So contrary to what you're probably hearing on the news, Black people are hesitant. They don't want the vaccine. That is true for some of us, but a lot of us want, you know, we want our questions answered. And once those questions are answered, I find people are looking for the vaccine. So there's a lot of distrust because this vaccine was created during the Trump administration. And I've even had people say, well, I don't want that vaccine because it it has something to do with Trump and I just don't trust it. And my role is to help them separate science, which has been going on for decades before we even knew Trump was would become president. Even the people who worked on this vaccine have been doing this work long before Trump was in office. So having real conversations like that and helping people understand that. But then I think secondly, helping them understand why I believe it's safe, telling my own story about why I got the vaccine or why I was in the trial before we even knew it worked. Mm. Um, And I think that gets people's attention and it builds some credibility with them. So they're willing to listen and ask their questions. And so, you know, I think if you answer all the questions people have about this vaccine, far more people will accept it than refuse it. And and the data even show that. So um, that's why we're out there. We want to make sure people have access to this information or know where to go to get it. Um, There's, you know, we can't be everywhere, which is why the social media is important. Uh, But even that is so hard to get traction because we, you know, we don't have that many followers, but that I realize that's actually not what's so important. It's actually all this information being transmitted on the grapevine. Are we able to influence what people are saying on the bus stop and at the dinner table? Because they're not looking at our social media pages. So I'll stop there. Do you have any questions? Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. So, so yes, you, you bring up, uh, some very pertinent uh, points um, on this show on three season a pod. We are always trying to break down and, and, and analyze the communications aspect uh, of our universe and, 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 you know, just sort of look at the ins and outs of, and, and sort of look at how the sauces is made uh, when communicating uh, with people, uh, whether through, you know, business organization or, or one V one. So when you bring up, the, the mis, some of the misconceptions and, and what role media plays uh, in dissemination of information. You know, so I'll hear people talk about the distrust in, you know, stemming from the Tuskegee experiment, Henrietta Lacks, like, can you, are you hearing that? Or is that just, is that age specific? Um, is, is any of that true? Is that, you know, the hesitation stemming from, from those particular, um, happenings in the past, events in the past. So this is what's interesting about that. People have heard these terms, they've heard these names, but they can't really tell you what happened. Uh And again, this is why I think that, you know, paying attention to what's on the grapevine is so important because people knew, you know, it was something, it was something unjust, you know, it's something bad that happened to black people. But when you really quiz them on it, even Tuskegee, as famous as that is, or infamous, I should say. Okay. People will say, well, they injected those men with syphilis. And that's actually not what happened at all. So I think after sort of correcting them, it's really kind of beside the point. Uh, but 
I think it is important for them to know here's what happened. But more importantly, this is why it won't happen again. So as a result of Tuskegee, that's why I felt comfortable being enrolled in a research trial because protections were put in place so that you couldn't take advantage of people in that way ever again. And so the, what happened with um, Henrietta Lacks, same thing. So it's very difficult to um, create, some, create a situation like a Tuskegee in a research trial that's happening right now. And, and I even um, videoed, uh, sort of chronicled some of my experience so people could see they're giving you information. They are asking you, do you wanna participate? You can sign, you can refuse. None of that was possible back then. Mm -hmm. And so while we acknowledge, we have to acknowledge what happened and there's still a lot of racism, judgment and bias in our healthcare system now. But when it comes to research, we are light years better than we were back then. So th there's no comparison. So for people who tell me, well, I don't want it because, you know, it's like the Tuskegee experiment. I just help them understand the difference and how okay. this is a process that is sound and we've been using it for decades. And then for people who are still skeptical, I just ask them, well, do you take medications or have you ever taken any medication over the counter? And invariably, most people will have. And then I explain to them, you could not have taken that medicine if it had not gone through the process, the same process the vaccines are going through. Mm -hmm. All medications have to go through those processes as well. So and, and I think, again, just helping to demystify the process and the science for people, it, I think it allays a lot of fears and it also helps people feel more comfortable. And then finally, people often say, well, I'm just gonna wait. You know, I'm gonna wait and see what happens. Well, it's been over a year. It's, it's been nearly a year since the first person was injected with the vaccine for coronavirus. Really? And second of all, there are over 30,000 people who got this vaccine. So anybody who feels like they need to wait because they don't want to go first, it's like we all went first, the people who enrolled in the trials starting right. last March. Right. So it's just giving people information to help them understand what's happening. That's, that's so amazing that because you, you just jogged my memory. I was like, oh, that's right. She was in on the trial. And we, I feel like we don't hear enough about that. Uh, which yeah. which leads me to ask this question specifically within black and brown communities, underserved communities. What is the like what is are you seeing is the greatest challenge to getting out uh, the the needed information, the, the accurate information? And I, I'm asking that question, knowing that you and I have had a conversation about communication in, in the black community before. So so what is it? I mean, you, you, you know, you're doing great work going out there on your own, on your own time with your own energy and own, own funds to get out there and talk to people, where else can people go? What else do people need to do? Um, so, you know, I, people ask me this question a lot, whether it's somebody, you know, I'm trying to work with, you know, business-wise or whether it's a community organization, but it's not just one thing. I think that's what's frustrating. That you have to blanket, you know, every possible um, avenue, so not just social media, 
not just television. And if you're watching television, it's not just this station or that station. People are cobbling together this information from so many different sources. And because there's so much misinformation out there, it's hard for people to sift through it. And that's the other reason I think it's valuable to be on the street because, you know, get having people um, become accustomed to seeing doctors and people like me out in the community builds the trust we need for them to believe what we have to say. And it, it's it, and you might think people immediately trust me because I'm a doctor, but a lot of times they don't. In fact, I was um, walking by an alley a couple months ago and there were a group of guys there. There was a group of guys there and I started talking to them about coronavirus and somebody stopped the conversation and said, wait a minute, who are you and where did you come from? You can't be a doctor. Doctors don't just show up in the alley. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, we we have some work to do, but this information has to be everywhere. It's got to be in the doctor's office. It's got to be at the pharmacy. It's got to be, you know, on television, on the radio, and because you you can't catch everybody. And the other right. thing I'll say about this is people often think, well, especially in underserved communities, you just have to put the ads on the bus, on the bus stop. You know how many people stand at the bus stop and never read any of the ads mm. on the bus? So um, I think I think this is uh, this is what's so intriguing to me about it. Trying to sort of perfect the approach to com- communicating about health issues is that you're just learning all the time. Right. Because what one person understands, you could say it in the exact same way, and the next person won't understand it. And you'll have to find a different way to explain it. So and I'm getting really good at trying to explain to people what vaccines do. And you'll appreciate my latest uh, metaphor I've come up with because this guy just couldn't, he couldn't understand what I was saying. And I said, well, it's kind of like the purpose of a vaccine is like a bouncer at the club. Mm-hmm. If you show the bouncer the pictures of the people who can't come in, He's going to do everything he can to keep those people out of the club when he, when he sees them. That's like the vaccine, what it's doing in your body. And he right. was like, oh. <laughs> so, but I, you know, after all these years, that's the first time I came up with that metaphor because I had to learn how to communicate to him. I like that. So, uh, learning how to, learning how to communicate. Is, that's very good, actually. Chris, did you want to chime in? Yeah, I did. I was just, I'm kind of taking notes here. Um, and I've, I've been to your website a few times um, as Bashan ha, um, has mentioned uh, some of the work that, that you guys are doing. Um, kind of zooming out a little bit for folks that are communication professionals. Um, how, talk to me a little bit about your, your learning process, right? Not a professional communicator, you're a, a physician, um, but, but I mean, you know, steeped in science. So you're familiar with, you know, trying things. And if that doesn't work, trying something else. And if that doesn't work, you know, trying something else. Um, can you talk about kind of how you've gotten to the place that you are now? Um, I mean, did you just go out there and do it? Uh, did you have some advice? You know, can you kind of take us through the, the growth and evolution that, that, you know, has you a year into this? Yeah. Well, I think the first that at my core, I'm a curious person. And I'm also someone who likes to peel the onion. That's how I figured out 
this is really about communication. That's like the, that's the gateway, I think, to changing the way people engage in healthcare related relationships. That's the gateway to having people recognize little things they can do to be healthy. A lot of folks don't understand. Um, I had someone ask me uh, a few years ago, well, how do people survive heart attacks? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, because when you have a heart attack, your heart explodes, right? So I think we take for granted, especially physicians, we take for granted that people understand what we're talking about. And so the more I realized this, the more I started to focus in on how I was communicating and whether or not I was taking time to explain things to people. Um, but I would say the, the, the pivotal moment was during a, an Ask the Doctor session for a 100 Black Men program. And a man came up to me afterwards and he said, how does someone like me access someone like you on a regular basis? And you know, I, I still remember that. I'll never forget that man walking up to me and asking me that because despite having a doctor, despite taking medications, he still didn't quite understand. But somehow the way I was communicating with him, the words I was using or the examples or whatever it was really resonated with him. So I thought, well, how, you know, how do I do that? I, I'm one person. So then I thought, well, okay, this is where the tech has to come in. People are on their smartphones, they're on their laptops and tablets and on the internet. So, okay, what do, maybe I need to do something on the internet. And one night I was watching uh, Jay Leno jaywalking and I thought, oh, I should try that with health. And that's actually how Dr. Lisa on the street was born uh, because I found a videographer and we went out on the national mall and started talking to people about flu. And then we showed those videos to a bunch of people in the community and they really liked it. So that, that's sort of how it happened. Um, but also just recognizing my patients, you know, especially patients I inherited who I would talk to and realize they didn't understand anything about their medical history. So, I, you know, it, you're right. We are not uh, trained to be the best communicators. Most doctors, you know, it's easier for us to speak and doctor speak. And it takes time and intention. You have to be thoughtful to figure out how to speak in the language, the public and patients understand, but it's vital. And so that's why I've, just, I've decided to commit myself to building a company like Grapevine because there are people just like that guy who walked up to talk to me. There are millions of people like him out there who need access to trusted, understandable information. So that's how. Um, yeah. I you know, I mean, it's um, you see this when you do the when when you take time and you look at your products, but you really get it in having a conversation with you. I mean, you are an amazing storyteller, uh, Lisa. Um, and you know, we talk a lot about at, at the end of the day, you can have all the graphs and the plans and the <laughs> strategies, but if you can't like look your audience in the eye, either figuratively or literally and share your story with them and use the word trust many times but that's essentially what you're doing you're building trust on a uh, on a grassroots level and it's just uh, as a as a communicator i mean i'm i'm envious as a member of society boy i i want to help like you, you know i, I want right to do what i can i want to do what i can help so how how could people help 
how could they, whether they're a communicator, if they wanted to make a donation, if they want, what, what could people do to, to help you continue to share your message with the community? Yeah. Well, I would say there's, there's something everybody can do. So for just a person who's like in the public that wants to follow Grapevine Health and Dr. Lisa on the street, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And the reason that's important is because apparently on YouTube, you can't go live on the street unless you have a thousand followers. So people are watching the videos, but they're not following. They're not subscribing to the page. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is help us find doctors like me. So sure, I created Dr. Lisa on the street so that we could digitize that experience and show people and teach them that way. But how powerful would it be if there was a Dr. Lisa on the street in every city or in every state? So if you if you run across healthcare providers who are good storytellers, who can make complex medical and scientific information simpler and understandable, send them to us because we're building a speakers bureau uh, of doctors who can do this. So it won't just be Dr. Lisa on the street, it will be doctors on the street. And then finally, if you know like-minded, uh, mission-aligned, or I guess socially impact-minded uh, investors who, who are willing to be non-traditional about the way they fund, then I would like to talk to them. I've spoken to many people in the VC world and most of them say, oh, well, this you should start a nonprofit. Well, I actually already have a nonprofit. I think you know the health sector investors are leaving billions of dollars on the table every year because they don't believe there is profit or money to be made helping people understand how to take care of themselves and how to engage with the healthcare system. In fact, the, the number I share with people, there was a report uh, on the impact of low health literacy by the National Academy of Sciences several years ago, and their estimate was 230, 230 to $260 billion with a B uh, money was spent in the healthcare sector because of low health literacy. So that's an opportunity, but the conversations are going to be very non-traditional uh, when you're talking to VC, because this isn't about hockey stick returns like they're accustomed to. But, you know, I think people just have to believe in the mission. So if you know of companies or people like that, um, we'd like to talk to them. Chris, I don't know about you, but every time I have the chance to talk to Lisa, I always leave feeling more educated and lighter <laughs> on my feet. And today I just feel hopeful <laughs> about, about tomorrow. No, I, wow. um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, she's Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, uh, and, and she's a friend of the show. Uh, the website is www.grapevinehealth.co. That's C-O. Uh, you can find her on YouTube. It's Dr. Lisa on the street, correct? Yeah, that's right. Per but it's on the Grapevine Health YouTube channel, but they could also just type in Dr. Lisa on the street. Perfect. And follow her, ladies and gentlemen. Follow. Put that follow button. Dr. Subscribe. Lisa. Subscribe. Yes. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. 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 There we go. We're going to, um, I know the wheels are probably turning in Chris's head. They're turning in mine as well. Uh, how can we, how can we push your help? to push your initiate, uh, initiative forward. 
uh, and and just be a part of because it's going to take a collective effort. I think you know that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's one reason that we wanted to get you here on the show. Uh, so that well, we I appreciate that. I appreciate it very much. So let's follow up and continue talking. Certainly, certainly. We we will make that promise to you here on uh, on three C. So we know you have to go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, she's Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, and she's out there trying to make the world a better place. So we appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Listen, folks, stay with us. No, thank you so much. Uh, folks, stick with us. We are going to be back with On the Horizon. This is Three C's with Chris, John, and Bashan. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back, and it's time to look out on the horizon. John, what do you see in the week ahead? Thanks, Pashan. Uh, you can't talk about the week ahead here without talking about impeachment part de, um, which is uh, taking place. You know, we we've made we've made commentary about how we really wanted the Biden presidency to be that turning of the page. And every time we think we've turned the page and, hey, more people are getting vaccinated and the numbers are going down, you get a spike or you get a reminder that, that we're still in a pandemic and that we're still in an incredibly uh, polarized environment as I'm mm -hmm. watching you know, the Washington Post's Molly Youngfasts, you know, tweeting back and forth like one-liners, you know, trying to get the deepest burn with Marjorie Taylor Greene of, of the Georgia um, contingent. She of the QAnon conspiracy theories, uh, who's been in the news a lot. I, I, I watch the news cycle with a very discerning eye. And when I see these things take hold, um, of the collective narrative and the consciousness of this country, it, it obviously gives me pause. And um, I can't tell you, I, I don't know what I want to have happen in the se second impeachment trial, but I, I do know that it's very important for all of these sides to work on their messaging and work on staying, staying on their path. You know, why are they doing this? Are you communicating this to the American people in the right way. You know, if you are conducting the impeachment trial, where is your messaging? Why are you doing this? And are you communicating that we need this and, and what the outcome could be to make the American people have the, the resolve to see another thing like this through? Because I know I speak for myself and my family that we're just sick of it. Like I don't, I, I have a hard time watching the news because everything is just so divisive. So I'm going to watch for the impeachment trial to see what happens. And if, if you're asking me to do some predictive analysis on how this is going to work out, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I don't know uh, where it's going to shake in the end, but I, I would advise clients that this week is probably not the week that you want to drop your big news because the impeachment trial is going to fill this void left by the uh, by the Super Bowl and probably be in, in everyone's collective conversation for the next couple of weeks. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Chris, over to you. Yeah, John, I, I want to follow up on what you said, and then I'll, I'll let you know what I'm watching for. Um, I think we've, we've talked about it a couple of times um, on, 
on this podcast. I mean, right, right now in the United States, there really is um, 10 to 12 million people that sort of matter from a um, swayable audience standpoint, right? I mean, there are those people on the left that will never vote for Donald Trump um, and really the left and right, right? So, I mean, there's kind of the never Trumpers and there's the never anybody but Trump. And then there's the 10 to 12 um, million people in, in the middle. And that's where I think um, the Biden administration really needs to focus the preponderance of its effort in terms of um, one, if they want to have a successful uh, midterm election and two, if, if their hope, and, and it's kind of sad to start already talking about the next presidential election, but if they wanna get re reelected. And I just look at the impeachment or things like the impeachment and um, while accountability is very important, um, I think you can look at the votes already and he's not going to be impeached and um, you're going to miss a lot of that 10 to 12 million people and you're going to um, basically spend the week or two weeks, however long it takes off message. Um, and so that's uh, that's disappointing, as I think we all agree, the first hundred days of this new administration matter dramatically. M moving quickly to what I'm watching. Um, I. I'm, I continue to watch this solar winds hack and the fallout from it. Um, and I think that the more and more that I follow it, we follow it um, because we do have clients that are very close to it um, for a variety of reasons. I really think that Americans need to pay a lot more attention to what's going on and what we learn from this hack. Um, not just the tactical implications of like, did Russia... Um, you, you know, is this a is this a espionage mission? Is it a hack? Is it? I don't know that that really matters. I mean, that's kind of inside baseball for the cyber community. But there are a lot of lessons about just how easy it is to get information and how easy it is to lose control of networks. That you know, as we chuckle about the Alexa commercial, um, and we chuckle about where we are in um, in society. These types of events are going to be very, very important, and we, we as communicators and leaders need to do a better job of making these things matter to a broader audience than just the cyber community or just the military or just the national security world. So I'm hopeful that over the next couple of weeks that um, people figure out how to communicate this issue to uh to the mainstream so that all of the lessons learned beyond just the inside baseball uh, can get out and people can benefit from what is a pretty ugly situation. Chris, you're absolutely correct. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's really scary to watch, um, you, you know, and we will be paying attention to the fallout. Uh, you, you definitely make some great points there about just what Americans need to pay attention to. Uh, as these things happen, I think sometimes it's it's real easy to get lost uh, in some of the other goings ons uh, when there are some really important issues uh, regarding that hack and the fallout from it. Uh, so that's something we'll definitely be paying attention to, uh, folks. I'll, I'll say this: we you know we started the show talking about the Super Bowl. One thing I will be paying attention to, not just this week, but over the next perhaps ten to fourteen days, is really just you know how safe people were uh, in that Tampa Bay region. Uh, we understand that, you know, while vaccinations are still ongoing, um, there are still people out there uh, contracting the, the coronavirus uh, and, and really uh, suffering from it. So 
uh, as we look in terms of potential potential super spreader events, uh, just what the fallout from the Super Bowl will be and listening to certain doctors and other scientists out there. Um, we need to look at the next 10 to 14 days uh, to see if if the collection or the larger collection of people in that environment uh, could have led to something potentially um, unfortunate. Uh, on a lighter note, folks, uh, here's a little bit of um, a freebie for you. Anyone that's not paying attention, uh, there is such a thing as Valentine's Day coming up this week. So uh, all of you out there uh, who need to send flowers, candy, or uh, just a message of love uh, to your partner or child or whomever uh, it is that you'd like to, to reach out to, remember Valentine's Day is Sunday. So um, jump up there, 1-800-Flowers.com. Uh, We'll be looking for that check in the mail. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. And send, uh, send a nice little note uh, to someone that you love. Uh, this Not Wednesday. only is Sunday Valentine's Day, but it is the beginning of the NASCAR season. Hey-o! Daytona 500 uh, that begins on Sunday. So uh, it is Speed Week in Daytona. So it, it's, a, uh, it's a two for Bash. Yeah. You want to do the right thing. You buy your lady some chocolate and uh, you sit in front of the TV while uh, she does what she needs to do, and you watch uh, the Daytona 500. I'm with it. I'm with it. Chris, uh, I'll be, uh, <laughs> instead of flowers and candy, I'll be delivering the whistle pig that you are owed. Um, that you'll be driving with a red ribbon, and, and I, I wish you luck as you watch cars make left turns. You know, as we go out, I'll, I will tell you that I've notoriously not liked NASCAR. But generally, if, if there are things that Cervello likes, Take a look in my direction, listeners, and it's usually something that I don't. And and yet we're friends, and I think that's great. But um, I do find it very um, uh, the the NASCAR team leading off their series, trying to find new ways to get um, viewers and followers. This is a big anniversary for NASCAR. The the I think this is the twentieth anniversary of Dale's death. I mean, the fact that was 20 years ago is shocking, um, but I think it's the 20th anniversary. It is anniversary. 20 years. Yeah, it is 20. And uh, yeah, so we're old. And then NASCAR has all these weird things planned, like you know, racing on a dirt track, things like that. So uh, again, for clients out there, you know, watch people like NASCAR and how they're trying to modify their brand to hit audiences in a new and unique way here in the spring. Um, to get people to watch, you know, and get people to participate and get people to engage. You know, that's what you should be thinking about in terms of communications. And, and I think NASCAR is doing that. One of the biggest highlights of my father's year in 2020 was actually attending his first Daytona 500. So, um, you know, that, I mean, look, that, that's, that's his jam. And, uh, you know, I will definitely be tuning, tuning in uh, to see what the new Jordan team uh, can produce there. Uh, with Bubba Wallace. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Everybody turn left. Folks, that's our show for today. We appreciate you joining us in on this great conversation. Uh, remember, you can uh, find and subscribe uh, to Three Season a Pod on all of your podcast platforms. Uh, if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. Uh, you can sign up to receive our weekly update delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday morning. Uh, in the meantime, folks, please be safe, wear a mask, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.